Welcome to your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast with Deanna Hobbs, founder of Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, broadcasting live from our headquarters studios in Buffalo, New York. Visit us online at empoweringeverydaywomen.org. Today's inspiration is a newsflash, a special announcement, a public service announcement even, that although it may not seem like it, Based on your circumstances, my friend, you are stepping into your harvest season. What appears to be a setback is actually a setup for God to bring the best possible outcome out of a seemingly worst case scenario. He sent me to tell you that something good is about to happen for you. Welcome to this, your Monday, March 14th, 2022 edition of your Daily Cup of Inspiration podcast. I am your host, Deanna Hobbs, your bestie from Buffalo, bringing you the biggest smiles and the warmest greetings ever. I pray you had an amazing weekend, bestie. And I couldn't be happier that you are here with me tuning in. This is our third week in a row, bruh. This is so exciting. Thank you for making space for this special time. It really, really means the world. And because of you, wait, okay, wait, besties. I'm getting this. What is this note? All right, I just got this note that um, there's something my team wants to do on the air, like right now, guys. Um, okay, okay. There's something they want to play. All right, besties. <laughs> well, let me hush then, and um, we'll uh, well, let's take a listen together. How about that? Testing one two three. Testing. Testing. We interrupt today's podcast for a very special message from our team at Empowering Everyday Women and your daily cup of inspiration. We all wish to congratulate Deanna Hobbs, the all-new Deanna Hobbs, our bestie from Buffalo for reaching another milestone of 800,000 downloads of the podcast. It's really inspiring to see how through faith and sheer tenacity, A leader second to none has come back from a devastating brain trauma injury, PTSD, anxiety, speech troubles, and even an altered personality. Our entire team and crew are so blessed and proud to have an example of what perseverance and overcoming looks like in the person of Deanna Hobbs. We all want to say what a pleasure it has been and continues to be working with you, Deanna, over these past years. And even though things are different with you now, your heart and passion for God and His people have not changed. Your commitment to changing lives by giving humanitarian resources to those in need through our 501c3 nonprofit organization has not changed. We pray for you daily that you will continue going and growing for the glory of God. And thank you to each listener, every one of you that Deanna calls bestie, for sticking by her side, praying for her, sharing your love, being open to the obvious changes she has gone through. 
donating to empowering everyday women and keeping her uplifted as she uplifts you daily. You are very much appreciated. We know this was unplanned today, and Deanna always likes to take the low-key route and never toots her own horn. But all the awards and accolades she has received over the years are well-deserved. But there is nothing like knowing and getting to work with the woman herself daily. She is beautiful both inside and out, and our entire staff and crew is blessed to have her. And now, without further ado, we introduce your bestie from Buffalo with a well-deserved round of applause. She is the funniest, most authentic, passionate, and real Bible teacher anywhere, Deanna Hobbs. Yo, who did this? Y'all. Now y'all know y'all can't do me like that. Oh, I love you guys so much. Thank you. I hate surprises and being caught off guard. But that was just uh, the best. The best. Besties, y'all know I'm a big old waterhead, so, (laughs) oh, this wrecked me. God is so good, man. I just, thank y'all. Why y'all had to embarrass me? (laughs) You know, I'm on it. I'm on this thing, on this podcast, like, um, oh, man, And and there were so many days since the brain trauma that I thought it was just over. I need some tissue, bro. (laughs) Hold on. Uh, That was incredible. Now, how am I supposed to get my whole life together and continue on? (laughs) You know, um, expressing that kind of love right at this moment is healing to my soul. Because... New Deanna has been a lot. And there have been times when I honestly felt like my team was going to be like, sis, it's been real. I think I told y'all that. I've just been waiting for somebody to snatch me um, and tell me this ain't your calling no more. It's a wrap. But to know that I am fully supported. Okay. And loved for who I am now. It's just the best thing ever. So um, thank you. Thank you for that. It's just so beautiful on so many levels. And after this, everybody is fired because I hate surprises. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Besties. And I was just reading this morning this testimony from a woman named Leanne um, about how she was going through some major changes. She lives in Arizona and has early onset Alzheimer's. And she talked about how unpredictable her personality and her memory and behaviors can be. And um, she said, and, and I'm reading it, she said, I found comfort in listening to your podcast and knowing that God still loves me and can use me just like I am in the brain 
I have now. And that just was like, right? So all of this, just this morning has been an overwhelming blessing. Thank you to my team. Thank you, Leanne, for sharing. Thank you, Jesus, for all you're doing. Can can we just get a praise break right here just for all of this? And inspiring testimonies like this remind us that God is transforming lives through this ministry. We are grateful for your support that keeps these broadcasts available online as a free resource to help others grow in their faith. If you are being blessed and you believe in our mission to share the gospel, sow a seed of any size at empoweringeverydaywomen.org donate. Thank you for your generosity. Bruh, I'm so done this morning. <laughs> I feel like being like, I'm going to see y'all Tuesday <laughs> and just go cry somewhere. Glory to God. I um still haven't fully collected myself, but can we pray real quick? Okay, good. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, thank you for this day. Um, Thank you for letting me feel your love and the love of those you have sent into my life. Please bless the person that you urged to press play today. Please help them hear something that will inspire hope in them and and just remind them, God, that your favor is all over them and their harvest season is upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. I need some water. Hold on. All right. Besties, you know why this morning is such a God thing. Because I was up at 3 a.m. bawling my eyes out. I I wasn't like sad, just overwhelmed a little bit. I get like that sometimes. But um, even in the midst of being overwhelmed, I just kept speaking better out of my spirit, better over my life. Just kept saying, God, I thank you for better better confidence, um, better ability to embrace this new season, better. And as I was crying, I think the tears were sparked by this memory, Bestie, of this session I'd had several months ago now. I was talking to my sister, Coach Q, Quinny Penny, (laughs) as I call her, about how devastating the brain trauma felt because nothing prepared me for it, right? I remember I was trying to explain to her that um, that day while I was just like sobbing uncontrollably. I, I mean, I was a mess. I was telling her, old Deanna just got up and left me. She just left me and never said goodbye. I didn't even know she was gone at first until I got home from the hospital and nothing made sense. And I was just, going on and on and telling her I couldn't vacuum. I didn't even remember how to shave my legs. I didn't know how to cook. I didn't remember things about my husband and kids. I didn't know the answers to simple life stuff. Like, old Deanna knew all that, and she just left me all alone. 
Y'all, besties, I was hurt, hurt. It was this sudden snatching away of my identity. Man, the suddenness of it all made it hard. And one day, I was me. Um, oh, Dion, and the next day, I was this totally new person. And that was it. And I didn't even know who this person was. She just seemed a little crazy to me. And I remember... I was angry that day, too, when I was talking to Coach Q. And I said, I hate old Deanna. I can't stand her. She just left me. And I'll never forget it. My sister, looked. she looked at me, right? And she said, "You uh, um, <laughs> get your mind together, Deanna. She said, you don't, you don't hate her. You miss her. And bruh, when she said that, oh, shoot, I was hysterical. It was like she had pressed on the button. And see, anger is like the easier emotion to deal with, I think, because it, it protects us. But underneath that anger, there are other real raw, vulnerable feelings that get covered, right? And Coach Q used this example for me just to help understand me better. She used this example. She said, um, I'm going to try and do it justice because I'm not as good as talking at talking as she is. But she said, um, it's like when you break up with somebody and you still love them, but you don't want to deal with that. So you talk about what made you angry about them. You say, I can't stand them no more. They so stupid. Forget them. I don't need them. You know, all that stuff. But then find yourself maybe sneaking and peeking at their social media or wondering what they doing, but still telling yourself though, that you don't care about their ugly self and you glad y'all ain't together knowing good and well, you still love and miss them. And she told me it's okay. You don't hate old Deanna. You remember the good qualities about her and you miss her. And y'all should have seen me crumble. I was like, I miss her so much. I love old Deanna. She knew the answers. She seemed to always know what to do with the kids, with the ministry stuff. Y'all, I was, I was done for. I was like, she just knew the right answers and I don't know how to live without her. What am I What am I supposed to do now? You know, talking about it might be making me a little teary. <clears throat> yeah, that was my question. Well, what am I supposed to do now? And baby, you don't have to have no mini stroke, almost 30 seizures, brain trauma, PTSD, what, um, uh, emotional issues, a bunch of other mental challenges to ask that question, what am I supposed to do now? Shoot, you can lose a job and wonder that. You can finish college and, and wonder what your next step's going to be. You can grow a few years older where life expectations of you change. And you wonder, like, what am I supposed to do now? You can lose a loved one and wonder that. Have your financial security just messed up and wonder that. Heck, you can move into a new position, like a higher level, a higher level that's supposed to be good and feel like, I don't know, what am I supposed to do now? Because it's a myth that we supposed to have all the answers anyway. Like 
life's transitional seasons are disruptive. They are abrupt. They are confusing. They are like disconcerting. Ooh, go on and talk today, New Deanna. That was in my head. Y'all, I feel like the more I talk to y'all, the better I do some days. I think y'all be praying for me. Thank you, man. Bestie, I be needing it. But look, even, even if you don't know like what to do now, you got to believe, Bestie, that just because the phase that you in today is not familiar, that don't mean God doesn't have something good waiting for you in this new season, right? I mean, he is the God who never changes, even though we go through changes. Yeah, I like that. So then when life feels out of control, guess what? God is still in control. When you feel weak, he he's still strong. When you lose something, he's still a restorer. When things go bad in our lives, he still causes all things to what? Work together for our good. Come on in here. So this morning, even though I had a crying spell, I was still confessing better over my life. And I just believe that there's a harvest and something good that will come out of this. Even though my brain is real different, unpredictable, and makes makes stuff feel super confusing and hard, I still trust God to bring good things out of a bad situation. And you know what, bestie? I did all that talking. And and I think I might have just been wrong about what had me crying. You know what? What I was doing, I was up reading the Bible, bro. <laughs> I was reading the story of Ruth. The Moabite. And man, that story blessed me right out of my socks, man. And yo, I think that's what had me in shambles. Bible study. I probably should have been asleep at three in the morning, but it was so worth it. But Bestie, when I was, I was, um, I was reading about Ruth and then I just sort of got nosy about the origin of her people, the Moabites. And, and you know what? I ain't going to lie to you that the they origin was was kind of sketchy, bestie. I ain't trying to judge nobody because, hey, I don't know what it was like back then for these folks. But if you go back to Genesis 19, like verses um, start around verses 34 through 38. I mean, you can read the whole thing if you want to, but it gets kind of messy around verse 34 because. You remember Lot, right? Abraham's nephew and God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for being wicked and nasty. And then Lot, after that, he went and lived in a cave with his wife and his daughters. And his daughters was like, yo, ain't no men around. And how is we supposed to have kids? So Lot's two daughters, the Bible ain't give us their name, but they was doing a lot. So I'm gonna just call them fast butts. Don't nobody say fast no more, do they? <laughs> Is that old? Y'all know my brain. Oh, stop talking about me. When I was younger and my daddy ain't think I was ready to date, anytime he thought I was being a flirt, besties, he would call me fast butt. Get over here, fast butt. It was like the ultimate insult, bruh. It low-key hurt my feelings. It embarrassed me. It was like calling me thirsty or a thought. And I just learned yesterday that thought is the acronym for that hoe over there. That's that's mean, ain't it? 
is I'm supposed to say that? It's whole like a cuss. Not a cuss, but like bad. I don't know. But anyway, fast but was like daddy saying, come here, Tha- Tatiana Ali. <laughs> That's the equivalent of what he was saying in 90s language, and he ain't had to do me like that, period. Was I a flirt? Well, I mean, yeah, maybe. Dang, nosy all in my business. I remember when I first started liking Kenya, like way before we got married. And we was just like getting to know each other. And Bestie, I think I told y'all already, we gonna be married 25 years next year. And I just feel like we should do something. You know what I mean? Like, renew our wedding vows and stuff but the way my anxiety set up I might be too nervous but anyway so like way before we got married and we was just getting to know each other we hadn't really talked at that time I don't think I used to sing in the state choir in the church of God in Christ and lead songs and stuff and he was a usher my baby used to have his black suit on and be telling people where to sit he was a good usher too You know, when you like somebody, you big up everything they do. Yeah, he could usher for real. He was the best. (laughs) And then he moved up to become a minister, then an elder, and then the bishop's adjutant eventually, where he would just serve the bishop and do whatever he asked him to do. But back before his adjutant days, when he was an usher, I saw him one time at Old Country Buffet. I don't know if they got that where y'all live. I think they closed that restaurant down now here. My besties that's actually from Buffalo, you would know. I think old country is shut down. I ain't sure. But child, back in the the 90s, like after Sunday service, we regularly went to old country. And so one day I saw Kenya in line because people would be up in there and it would be this like line out the door. So I had already uh, found my table and my seat. So I was sitting down. I saw him and I had developed a little crush on him by then. You know, I thought little Usher boy was cute. It's Usher, baby. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me stop before my team take back all that nice stuff they said. (laughs) Take that and rewind it back. Okay, that's an old Usher song. But anyway, y'all. Um, where was I at? See, I was doing so good today. Let me get back to my story anyway. So Bestie, one of my church friends was like, girl, can you like you? And I was like, for real? Because I thought he was older and was married to some powerful evangelist or something at first. That was prophetic, wasn't it, Bestie? See, I was seeing the future. Um, but I was happy he liked me, but you know, I tried to play it cool cause you can't let him know. But that day at old country shoot, all my cool went out the window. I want to miss my chance to let your boy know that the feeling was mutual. Like I like you too and stuff. I was 18 at the time, I think. So bestie, I put on my best smile and I waved and you know, how you wave extra cute and slow and then you move your fingers individually all slow and flirty like I was doing it. You couldn't tell me nothing. I had my extra sanctified outfit on with my skirt down to my ankles and no makeup on trying to flirt looking extra holy like I was about to administer communion or something. (laughs) Sanctify. Hear me? 
how you flirting looking like one of the Puritans from the 1920s? Holy, holy, holy. <laughs> I know you're not laughing. Shut up, bestie. I was cogent cute. Forget y'all. I look like what the missionaries call a devout, virtuous woman of God. And because um, back in the day, I don't know. I thought that's how you had to dress to be saved. I wore really small earrings, if any, and then no makeup. And so for a while, I didn't wear pants. I thought that would please God better. I mean, now I know and understand what the Bible means when it says man looks at the outward appearance, right? But God looks at the heart like it say in 1 Samuel 16 and 7. It ain't like we going to get to the pearly gates and God going to be like, let me see if she got on a skirt or pants. Skirt, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Pants, depart from me. Nah, I mean, it don't, it don't work like that. Because shoot, you can have on a skirt down in your ankles, a turtleneck in the summer and a Bible under your arm and be hateful and messy and vindictive and judgmental and prideful and all the things. God want to know what's going on inside us, sis. What's your character like, bruh? But hey, anyway, at the time, I thought I got heavenly cool points for dressing extra conservative, but judging people, I know. And look, let me say this too. If you feel called to be extra conservative in your presentation and you don't wear pants or earrings or makeup, ain't nothing wrong with that either. As long as you know that God ain't interested in our outward adornment as much as our inner condition. Come on, church, and say amen. So anyway, I'm waving at Kenya. Why I went off on a whole sermon tangent about modesty? <laughs> I be running my mouth. All right. So anyway, I'm waving at Kenya, bestie, right? The spirit of Delilah, the Jezebel spirit took over and I needed deliverance. Nah, I'm just playing. But I was doing my best waving y'all and Kenya goofy butt looking all around like, who me? And I was thinking, nah, the distinguished 65 year old gentleman behind you, sir, with the wife and kids. Um, uh, yes, you knucklehead. So I did my little wave again. Being a fast but Fatiana Ali. <laughs> and this time, he finally caught on and he said, Hi back. And oh my gosh, I could have melted on the spot. I liked him. And I was going to let him know it. I know the Bible say he who finds a wife finds a good thing, but can't I help him find me a little bit? Dang, I was just saying hi. Forget y'all. But Bessie, it's the difference between waving at your crush. And what these Tatiana twins was doing in this Bible story in Genesis 19. Boo. Lot's daughter said, sis, we in this cave. For real, this in the Bible. Ain't no men's around here. What is we supposed to do to secure our family and our future, sis? The biological clock is ticking and we need a fertile man. And so both of them had a light bulb moment. And they was like, sis, you thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah. Bet you know who is here? Daddy, not Zaddy. Nah, they real daddy. See, that's where they lost me at. But anyway, I'm just a messenger. Scripture said they got their daddy drunk and each of them got pregnant by their daddy. And the firstborn daughter, bust down Tatiana over there, had a son by her daddy named Moab, bestie. And verse 37 said, he is the father of the Moabites to this day. So Ruth is a Moabite. 
Well, was because she's she not alive no more. But the Moabites, they, they was interesting people. They got an interesting start in their life. But hey, we all come from some level of dysfunction. Don't be acting like your family perfect, right? So the Moabites worship false gods and stuff. But when Elimelech, Naomi's husband, who was a Jewish man, when he moved to Moab, Ruth, the Moabite, married Elimelech and Naomi's son. Nice Jewish young man named Milan. And then Ruth, she adopted the customs and the faith of the Jews. And she wasn't doing all that idol worship. And she was noble and faithful and loyal to her husband. That's why I like Ruth, man. Because she showed you that it don't matter where you start. God can complete his good work in you. He don't care about your past. You can always start fresh. Ain't that good news, bestie? So don't be letting nobody shame you for your past, even if you was Tatiana Ali. So God will still use you for his glory, period. God can reform you and lovingly put you in the position he wants you to be in. Now, speaking of lovingly, my daddy ain't always helped me lovingly. Like when I was sneaking and having a boyfriend at school, bruh, my daddy had to come up to the school and in front of my whole class. I don't even. What happened? I dropped something. Hold on, bestie. Y'all, I think this mic ain't right. I'm trying to fix this. Okay. The devil trying to sabotage my podcast. Okay. So. I was sneaking my little boyfriend. I don't even know how daddy got to my school and, or why he was there. But, bruh, he came up in front of my whole class and he said, Deanna can't have no boyfriend. She is not allowed. And if anybody here think they her boyfriend, it's over. Bruh, why my boyfriend was sitting right in the class? <laughs> oh, my God. His name was Tashi. And I ain't going to say his last name, but daddy just embarrassed me. And then everybody was scared to talk to me. Daddy was so embarrassing. Why he had to do that? He would be doing a lot. But I'm going to be honest. If daddy wasn't that strict, I probably would have been a mess. And spiritually speaking, if daddy God had not intervened in our lives, we all would have been a big old mess. Go on and say amen because it's the truth anyhow. But y'all, okay. The book of Ruth is one of my favorites because it shows how God just intervenes and positions us to reap a harvest of blessings, even when everything in our lives say we shouldn't. But something sad happened, okay? Milan died before he and Ruth had kids. And Chilion, that's the other son who was married to a woman named Orpah, he died too without having no kids. They both died 10 years after Elimelech died. So poor Naomi, she lost her husband, her two sons, and she ain't had no grandkids. And then, you know, she had to leave and go back home to Bethlehem. And and when she got there, everybody was all happy, like, yo, Naomi. And she was like, nah, don't even call me that fam, because Naomi means pleasant and ain't nothing about my life pleasant, bruh. Call me Mara, because that mean bitter. She was poor now and alone. And Naomi says something that just hurt my heart for her, man. In Ruth 1 and 21, she said, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi? 
when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me. Dang, right? I think what she said hit me so hard because it's so close to the way I felt when I went to the hospital in August 2019, fully myself with everything okay, except a few weird symptoms and then came back home from that ordeal just empty in so many ways. So much just got taken from me. I, I didn't understand why God let me suffer and let the tragedy happen to me. I was just feeling empty, bro. And I, that's why I was up crying at three o'clock in the morning. This Bible story. <laughs> I was like, ah, you took everything. I was jacked up. But that word empty that Naomi said is a Hebrew word. I looked this up in the Strong's Concordance. No, Concordance. I I keep telling y'all about that. It's uh, a word that is pronounced Raycom. And it don't just mean empty, but it means in vain, void, without cause, in an empty condition. It even means undeservedly. So I felt that in my soul after losing so much, Naomi felt like her life was just like void in vain, like without purpose. And she didn't deserve it. She was just in an empty condition. And I just wonder, like, why are you listening to this? Has life ever hit you so hard and took away so much from you that you just felt empty? And listen to me. I know that feeling, Bestie. You know I do. But I know too much about God to believe that he going to leave us empty handed. He don't roll like that. No, for real. He don't. Remember when Naomi was feeling bitter and purposeless when she came back home to Bethlehem? Well, guess what time of year it was? I'll wait. Y'all, it was harvest season, bestie. According to Ruth 1 and 22, Naomi was feeling empty and bitter, but she was stepping into a season of harvest. Oh, bestie. And I just know that God sent me to tell somebody that you're stepping into your season of harvest, even though in some ways you you feel uncertain, right? Or stripped or lost or purposeless or directionless or kind of like you're in limbo. I'm raising my hand because I feel all those things or like, what the heck am I doing? God's word to you and to me, just to us, bestie, is that we're stepping into a harvest season. The barley harvest was just beginning when Naomi got to Bethlehem. How cool is that? And seriously, though, hold on. I need some water. Wait a minute. Throat dry. Okay. Um, where was I at? Okay, so so there are seasons in your life when you know, it can feel empty. Like, ain't nothing going on. Ain't nothing falling in place. You you feeling stripped. Like, you done lost the things that are really the essence of who you are. But God wants you to know today, and through this message, which might not be the most eloquent one you have ever heard in your life, but he telling you through your bestie that when you feel empty, You are in the perfect position for him to fill you up again with something new and better. See, now I'm starting to feel like that was a prophetic thing that God had me speaking over myself better. 
I, I, I'm starting to think, girl, the Holy Ghost was on you while you was in here crying after reading the Bible study. God knows that when we lose what we're accustomed to, you better speak to me today, Holy Ghost. It's a horrible feeling, but God won't leave you like that, fam. No, 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 no. I've seen so many times in my life when when it looked like everything was lost, but God was simply about to birth something new in my life. He was doing a new thing and he's about to do it again. I believe that's what new Deanna's about. God stripped me of my old security blanket, Miss Eloquent. Can't stand her. No, I love old Deanna a little bit. Get on my nerves sometimes because I'm not her no more. But <laughs> but he stripped that so he can do something new and fresh and better, bestie. Think about this. That God had already prepared Boaz, this rich landowner, to bless Naomi. He was already there waiting before Naomi and Ruth Never met him. Now, I know we like focusing on the fact that Ruth found her Boaz and they got married, but we can't miss the significance of what happened in the life of Naomi through her connection to Boaz. If it hadn't been for Naomi, it wouldn't have been no Ruth and Boaz anyway. In Ruth 2 and 11 through 12, Boaz told Ruth that he was so impressed with her because of everything she did for her mother-in-law, Naomi. In verse 12, and let me read this. He said, may the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You better preach, Boaz. So you see, Ruth was blessed because she blessed Naomi. And Boaz, listen, listen to this. Boaz was the relative of Naomi's late husband, Elimelech. And because of that connection, Boaz felt obligated to take care of Naomi. He took on the role of the kinsman redeemer in Naomi's life. God dealt with me so much about this today. The kinsman redeemer, bestie. According to Jewish law, it was a male relative and he was responsible for acting on behalf of a relative who was like in trouble or in danger or who was in need. And Boaz's name means strength. So at Naomi's weakest point, bruh, God gave her a harvest of strength, favor, abundance, and blessings through Boaz. Boaz was strong enough and man enough to step into that role of kinsman redeemer, the one who delivers or rescues. And this is so cool to me because the kinsman redeemer is there to redeem property or a person. God orchestrated that. The Bible talks about this kinsman redeemer. And I wrote this down for you, bestie. It's in Genesis 48 and 16, Exodus 6 and 6, um, Leviticus 27 and 9 through 25, just to list a few. And oh, bestie, it gets better. It gets so much better. The story of Boaz being a kinsman redeemer. Yeah, that is super cool. But but guess what's cooler? Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer. See, the whole Bible points to Jesus. And that's that's what gets me geeked up. He is the one who acts on our behalf when we get in trouble and in danger or in need. He is the one who has redeemed us from sin and gave us an inheritance among those who are sanctified, according to Acts 20 and 32. And I know 
my Redeemer lives. When I'm weak, Psalm 46 and 1 says, He is my refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. And in this same chapter, in verse 5, it says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. I took that thing personal. Oh, bless his name. See, I feel my help now, bestie. When you get in trouble, bestie, your Redeemer rescues you. When you feel empty and lost and purposeless and bitter and sad and useless and unworthy, God sent Deanna Hobbs, your bestie from Buffalo, to tell you that he has a harvest waiting for you. In the book of Ruth, Boaz, he's an excellent example of the role that that Jesus Christ plays in our lives. Brother Boaz made sure Ruth always had a harvest to take back to Naomi. Boaz made sure those two were well fed and taken care of. And family, our Redeemer, oh, he'll do the same thing for us. And I love how this one day in the story, Boaz invited Ruth. Though she was poor and ain't had no business at that table, he invited her to sit at the table and eat of that feast until she was full. And she still had some left over to take home to Naomi. And you and I, bestie, have been invited to sit and eat at the king's table, even though we are unworthy. King Jesus, he's made us a spread that was waiting for us. And because we've accepted the invitation, we are royalty. And listen, right at this moment, no matter how bitter or tragic, unfair, or even pointless life can feel at times. God wants you to know it's still harvest season. As Job 8 and 7 says, though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. You might feel empty or even be empty handed today. Come on, let's keep it a buck. You might be empty handed, but God is about to fill you up. And and I want you to receive by faith that you are no doubt stepping into a new season of harvest, period. It's happening. Ruth and Boaz, this is so cool. They got to the chapel and they got married. That's not how the song go, do it? No, but they got married and then they had a baby. So it'd be like Ruth and Boaz sitting in the tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. First comes love, then comes marriage, and then comes baby in the baby carriage. Okay, I'm sorry. y'all. That's the Tyler part of my brain. Will y'all bear with me? Do y'all love me anyway? Okay, good. (laughs) Ruth and Boaz had this kid. Get this. His name was Obed. And Obed's name means worshiper, right? Oh, I love it. And Obed was the father of Jesse who was the father of King David. So Obed was King David's granddaddy, which put him in the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Now, how's that for a come up in a mighty harvest? My God, today, I feel God's presence in this studio. In Ruth 4 and 14, bestie, the women who saw Naomi's come up and that beautiful grandson said, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. And then they prophesied to her in verse 15. And they said, God will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. God told me to prophesy that over you. God is going to renew your life and sustain you. I received that. 
They also told her bestie that Ruth, Naomi's daughter-in-law, was better to her than seven sons. I speak better over you. I speak better over me. And then the women living there said something that wasn't lost on me either. When Obed was born, Naomi was so happy. And they said, Naomi has a son. I know that baby belonged to Ruth technically, but God restored her and gave her what she had lost. She had a a new son-in-law, a wealthy land owner and and Ruth, a daughter-in-law who loved her more than seven sons. And Naomi was no longer empty-handed and bitter. God filled her life with joy and good things. Just what he's going to do for you. And gave her a divine inheritance that was connected to Jesus Christ, the greatest kinsman redeemer of all. Somebody listening needs to know that God has a divine inheritance for you, bestie. He is renewing your life too. He's going to sustain you and give you something even better than what you had before. Somebody by faith, just declare better over yourself. I feel that. So finally on this Monday, I'm stirring Exodus 3 and 21 into your cup of inspiration. And this is what God told Moses as He was commanding this old reluctant deliverer to go to Egypt and rescue Israel from bondage. God said this, I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And here's the part I want you to get. And it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty handed. Ah, As you drink down the contents of your cup, bless God's name. Hallelujah. Though you've been through some things. See, the ugly devil want to wait to the end to take my voice. Let me drink some water. It's too late, devil. The bestie done got this word. Move now, ugly cell. I, I, I want you to know that though you've been through some things and you might not know what your next move will be, God said, you will not remain empty handed, but rather You're going to step into your season of harvest and he will fill your life with good and better things. Now let's pray. God, I pray for this, my sister, this, my brother. Oh God, I thank you for reminding them not to despise the day of small things because you're doing something new, something, something bigger, uh, something more significant and something better. I believe you're restoring what they lost. You're giving direction where there's confusion and filling their empty hands with an abundant harvest you destined for them to receive before the foundation of the earth. And we thank you and receive it by faith now. In Jesus' name, we declare it is so. Amen and amen. Your daily cup of inspiration has been brought to you by Empowering Everyday Women Ministries, where we fuel your faith every day. For more information, log on to yourdailycupofinspiration.com.